Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I was looking over my notes, and I was here in October... uh, or August of last year for a leaders conference and I translated for uh, I'm not sure if it was Rafi or Magdiel this year but this is the first time I share on a Sunday morning not translating somebody's um, message and I don't know how many of you can say that a lot of things have taken place in your life in 2019 could you raise your hand and maybe it's not maybe it's just another year uh, but for me uh, a lot of things have have changed And I want to start with a question this morning, and I want you to be honest with yourself. You don't need to raise your hand or or shout out loud, this is me, God, you found me out. I don't need you to do that uh, this morning. I just have a question. Have you ever avoided a particular scripture because you were afraid of what it might mean for you or what it would require of you? Do you have a friend, maybe? (laughs) I have. And this morning I want to start by, you know, I consider myself a transparent man, but today I'm going to be super transparent. Four years ago, my wife presented a scripture to me, a scripture that I I know well, um, a scripture that is packed with blessing, but it's also packed with a lot of sacrifice. And a lot of the unknown. And I I wanted no part of it. The scripture is Isaiah chapter 54 verses 1 through 4. And for four years, my wife started with maybe some of the men can identify here. uh, When your wife says to you, we need to talk. Has your wife ever said that to you gentlemen? We need to talk. She gave me one of those. It started with, Javi, we need to talk. So, you know, a lot, of th- a lot of times those conversations could be good or bad. Usually they're, they're never ugly, but, you know, you can get the good, the bad, and the ugly in those types of conversations. So I said to her, you know, what's up? What, what do you want to talk about? And she sat down with her Bible. I said, cool, this is serious, you know. <laughs> you know. If your spouse has to speak to you and takes out their Bible, this is something you should be paying attention to. Right? So she sat down next to me and she opened up her Bible and it was Isaiah 54 and she read it and she said, what do you think these scriptures mean? I said, well, I I think those scriptures mean a lot. I've preached on those scriptures many times. Uh, Within those scriptures, I, I find many things that I want God to do. And she said, I'm not sure what God is speaking to me, but I keep going to Isaiah 54. So she asked me, she said, you know, pray about this and, and see if God speaks to you about it. So I looked at the scripture and I really, you know, spent some time in it, but I didn't get anything. A couple months later, she sits down again. And this time I, I was actually in my time with, with the Lord and reading. And she says, Javi, um, anything on that scripture? And I said, no. And she sat down next to him and she said, I think God has spoken to me about how Isaiah 54 is going to play into my life. 
So, you know, I said, you know, what, what do you think God is speaking to you? And she said, I'm not sure yet, but I have an idea, and I think that God is calling me to be a mother again. And I said, what? I said, I don't know how you think God is going to do that, but that's not what I want. She said, okay. A couple months later, she sits down again, and this time we're, you know, in January we have our time of fasting at church and um, during our fast she sits down and, and we're out having uh, dinner and she says to me she said Javi I'm, I'm convinced um, God is calling me to be a mother again and um, I want to be a foster mom and I said to her well do you need a foster dad because this is not <laughs> just being honest you <laughs> know Is a foster dad involved in any of this? Because I really I have a lot going on now uh, um, in ministry. I'm traveling a lot more now. This is not something that I, that I can commit to. And she says to me, well, eventually I'm, I'm going to need you. I said, well, we'll see what happens. She kept bringing Isaiah 54. It was so bad that when I was reading, I wanted no part of Isaiah. A year passed, two years passed, and she constantly came and told me what she believed God was speaking to her. By that, time, by that time, things had progressed, and she knew already that this is what God wanted for her. And let me just explain to you why I was so apprehensive about it. My wife and I were married at a young age. We're going to celebrate 25 years of marriage next year. Um, thank you. Um, we had children early because we wanted to be done with raising children. I love being a dad. Don't get me. I love being a dad. I have a 22-year-old daughter who's 23. Actually, next week, she's going to be 23. She's married. Um, my 19-year-old is going to be 20 years old in a couple months. She's in her second year of college. And my youngest just turned 17 years old. I see the finish line. Parents, I love my children. I thank God for the privilege of being a dad. There's just nothing quite compares to being a father. But I want to raise children that are going to fear God and be productive in this life. And I want them out of my house. I don't want a 20-something or 30-something-year-old manganzong in my house. I love my kids to death, but I want them to live their life and, and go on. You know? And I want to enjoy my life with my wife. Well, people, when they have children, life goes all out of whack. And I know that because I've been a parent. But life becomes... Their children and their children are their world and the children are their life. I'm like, what is wrong with you? That's, that's not even biblical. It's not like, oh, my all and my life and my world. What about your spouse? The Bible says you become one with your spouse. You never become one with your children. Your children are part of you. 
You're supposed to train your children. Some people allow their children to train them. But that's another subject for another day. I'm not giving a parenting seminar here today. I remember one conversation with my wife. She said to me, this is what God has called me to do. And when we went into ministry over 20 years ago, I know, this is her speaking, she said, I know God has called me. I know God has called me to lead his people. But in the beginning, I was more supportive of you because I saw God's call in your life. And I never stood in the way of God's calling over your life. As God is calling you now to be more active within our churches and the council, I haven't argued with you. I know this is what God has for you. I know you're going to be traveling more, going to be gone from the home. I'm willing to sacrifice my time with you as you serve the body of Christ. I need you to support me in my calling. And by the way, God used her and she never raised her voice, never made me feel less than, never took out that scripture that true religion is to take care of the widow and the orphans. She never did that. She just sowed the seed in my life and, and, and in modesty, in humility, in, in submissiveness to God. And to me, she just told me what she felt God was calling her to do. And waited on God to back her up. That day I walked away and I knew that if I withstood God's call for her life, I was withstanding and opposing God himself. And I knew that God's backing and his anointing over my life and my ministry would soon have to pay a price if I was overtly standing against what God wanted to do in my home. And at that moment, I said to my wife, this is not what I want. I'm not open to this, but I can see that God is placing a burden on your heart. So I'm going to be here in a supportive role. Whatever you need from me, I'm going to try my best, right? Like I was, I was being very careful <laughs> with my words. I never told her I was all in, so I wasn't. About November, October of last year, um, during our pastor's conference in Puerto Rico, um, God spoke to me through Isaiah 54, and he, I've, I've never seen in, in real life an animal being branded, but I've seen it on TV, and you hear the sizzle when, the, when that hot, Iron touches the flesh of the animal. And for some reason, that's what I felt in my time with God. I just felt like something being burnt, seared, impressed upon my life. And during that time, um, I said to my wife, I said, you know, my time, God just led me to Isaiah 54. And, you know, her eyes got all watery. And um, she said, I know what that means for us. And I hope God speaks to you the way he's spoken to me. You see, at that time, I thought it'd be a, a message for our church, a good word for, for the coming year, for 2019, which in fact, it, it did become that. Uh, I've been sharing on Isaiah 54 at our church for over a year. I just finished my last message on Isaiah 54 uh, a couple weeks ago at our church. So we came home from this trip and I told my wife, go ahead 
and look into the process of what it takes to become a foster parent and we'll see what happens. You know, because I had heard that people take years to be able to foster kids and so on and so forth. So I, I, I dropped that on my wife's lap. And by the way, my wife is many things and she's great at many things. But looking for information, calling people, having to speak up is not one of those things. Is there anybody like that here that just is, fee is fearful or timid about uh, confronting things or looking into things in the unknown? That's my wife. So the next day she says to me, I, I found out where Children's Services is at. It's in downtown Miami. And we have an appointment on Friday for fingerprints. I said, what? <laughs> I said, man, you're moving fast. <laughs> this is the same person that I say, I need you to find this out. And it's a month later, and I'm still waiting for her to do it. So we go. I, you know, my wife has the ability to lead and direct without letting me know that I'm being led and directed by her. Ladies, do you know what I'm talking about? You should because that is a great gift that God has bestowed upon you. So we drive, we get there to downtown and I let her lead the way and she goes up, she asks the security guard, I need this office, I'm here for fingerprints, the guy sends, her up, sends us up, I'm following my wife into the room, she goes to the to the attendant up front, she says, we're the Acostas, we're here for fingerprints. And the lady says, do you have all the information I gave you? I'm like, what is my wife? She goes into her purse and she brings out this, brings out this booklet of papers. <laughs> Presents it to them and the lady says, take a seat. And I look at my wife, I'm like, I'm impressed. <laughs> so we go to the back, we get our fingerprints, they interview us. I'm like, what is happening here? She says, well, your next step is to have your home licensed as a foster home. I'm like, foster home? <laughs> like, I'm thinking about Annie. I'm thinking about all these kids. And how's I like, what? Like a boarding house. I'm like, what is happening here? So I stayed quiet. And in, in the moment we get in the elevator, I tell my wife, what is happening here? What do you mean a foster home? She says, don't freak out. If you have one kid at home, it's a foster home. And I said, oh, thank God. She says, we're applying for two children. I said, What? <laughs> This is our next step is to go through the fostering classes. I'm like, wow. So I go home and, I, you know, I, I start researching. And some of these places, it can take up to two or three years to be licensed. I'm like, oh, two or three years. By that time, you know, by that time, I may be a grandparent. And hopefully, if I am, which I'm really not looking forward to it, she'll have a grandchild and this desire to mother again would go away. You know, that's not, that's not a bad way of thinking, right? That's a good plan. You're, you're, we're on the same page. That's a good plan. Like, I'm not looking forward to be a grandfather just yet, but at least being a grandparent is easier than being a parent. So we sit down for the first day of class. She found out the class, the, the class was near our home. We sit down and, you know, I'm like, wow, what's going to happen here? This, this is November of last year. And I thought, well, you know, this is going to take a long time. And the gentleman opens up the class by saying, how many of you here have heard that fostering and the license process can take a long time? One, two, up to three years. And I raised my hand. 
And he says, well, I have good news for you. We're going to get you, we're going to get you licensed in 10 weeks. I said, what? <laughs> what is happening in my life right now? And I'll tell you what, I would check my heart rate on my, on my watch during those classes and, and it was elevated. My heart rate, my blood pressure, this is not something that I was waiting for, not something I wanted. So we sit there and, and, and we, we, we go through the classes and, and in December of last year, we were licensed to be foster parents. And I thought, this is crazy. It's funny because my, my wife posted a picture when we, when we graduated, I guess, and she's holding the certificate, and she's got this smile from ear to ear, and I am in disbelief. I'm like this. <laughs> like, I was in complete disbelief that we were licensed to foster. So in December of last year, my wife says to me, Javi, what a blessing it would be if the Lord gave us a child for Christmas. And I'm thinking to myself, no way. <laughs> I sure hope we don't get a kid for Christmas. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm being transparent with you. Because I had a plan. I, ha I, had, I had a plan for my life. I, 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 I wanted to, to do good. I wanted to fulfill God's call. I wanted to, to be a blessing to the churches and the pastors of our council. So I thought, I hope. I didn't pray that we don't get a child, but I hoped, I surely hoped. It was almost a prayer. It was almost, <laughs> almost a prayer. And thank God Christmas came last year and we had no foster child in our home. And after Christmas, my wife says to me, Javi, what a blessing it would be if we can start the year with a foster child in the, in the first week or, or second week of January to go along with Isaiah 54. By the way, if you're not familiar with Isaiah 54, it says, let the woman who has not born children rejoice and let her make room for the children that are coming. That's a type of blessing that, that's found in Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 contains blessings within it that contradict common sense, the mind, and they will stretch you beyond anything you could ever imagine. And um, I came out of my room one day, and it was, it was probably mid-December, and the room that used to belong to my daughter uh, is right in front of our room. So I get up in the morning and it's, it's dark. And uh, I had my phone next to me and, and I turned the light on because, you know, it's dark. And when I'm walking in the hallway and I point up to turn, I see that there's a sign in my daughter's old room. And in that sign, it says, prepare for more children. And I thought to myself, my wife is losing her mind, man. January 1st came and we didn't get a call January 2nd, January 14th. And she thought, wow, you know, is this what God has for me? And one day she came over to me and said to me, I don't know if this is what God is really calling me to do. I'm doubting it because we've been licensed for two months and people are getting calls every day from multiple children and this, this isn't happening. And I said to her, well, Lori, maybe God was just testing you the way he tested Abraham and he wanted to see if you were willing. If you were willing to be a mom again and that maybe that's all God has. And if that's the case, hey, I'm for that. And she said to me, no, I, I know God has spoken to me. 
February uh, started, and my, my birthday's on February 14th, on you know, Valentine's Day. And she thought, Javi, what a blessing it would be if <laughs> on Valentine's Day, on your birthday, God would bless us with a little child. And I thought, you know, this is just like God, not to do it on Christmas or New Year's, but on my birthday. Every call that came in on my phone on February 14th, I didn't want to answer. I was looking at it. Like, was... <laughs> on that day, I could see that her heart was, you know, it was weighed down. It, it was heavy. And Three days later, we got a call. And uh, I answered the, uh, the, the phone call because we had missed a phone call the day before. It was a holiday and we got an email also stating that, that there was a child uh, that needed a place to stay. And my wife was like, call the lady, call the lady, call the lady. So it was a holiday and I called and left a message, but I knew nobody was going to answer. It was a holiday. She apparently must have sent the email and then left for the day. So the next morning, I, without her even saying anything, I, I went ahead and, and, and I texted the lady and I said to her, is the child still available? My wife and I would, would like to foster uh, the baby still, I was not in. I was doing this for my wife. And um, later on in the day, she calls me and she says, uh, yes, the, the child is, is still available. So I asked about the baby. The baby was nine days old. Um, he was born exposed, not addicted to cocaine and opiates. And um, he was at a respite home, which is basically a transition from the hospital to, to the next place. And um, I asked, I said, you know, uh, yeah, um, we're, we're, we're willing. I said, is this short-term or long-term? And she said, this is a long-term foster. And um, I said, what's his name? And um, the lady said, his name is Daniel. And you see, my wife, uh, before we had our son Andrew, she said, if I ever have a boy, I'm going to name him Daniel. And for many reasons that I'm not going to get into today, our, our son is named Andrew. And when the lady said that the boy's name was Daniel, you should have seen my wife with a tear that looked like a cantaloupe <laughs> falling from her eye. Um, I brought a picture uh, for you. We've had Daniel ever since. He's ten and a half months old. He's a... And God has changed my heart so much. We don't know what's going to happen with Danny. We don't. But I've asked God publicly to give me the privilege to be a dad again. Specifically his dad. So I share this with you. To express with you, to, to express to you what one portion of scripture has done with me along with the fulfillment of that scripture coming to life. That little boy is my Isaiah 54 baby and I've prayed that God would allow me to be his dad. The plan is, according to the courts, for him to go back home. And I believe that every child should be with their parents. I really believe that. Because one day when he's able to 
think for himself. He's going to ask himself, what's wrong with me? Why am I not with my mom and dad? Regardless of the life that we could provide for him. So the plan, according to the courts, is for him to go back with mom and dad. And I don't know what God's plan is. But I know what my heart wants now. And I know what this child has done with me because... My children, I love them because obviously they're my children. I see myself in my children. I help create that human being. But that adoptive love that I've been loved with by God the Father, I've never experienced that until I experienced it with him. Through him, because of him, I experienced a little bit of God. I learned to love a child that is not mine as if he were mine. And do you know that's what God the Father has done with each and every one of us? He has loved us as his own children. The Bible says that through the spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. We've been adopted through Jesus Christ, God the Son, unto God the Father. And because of him, I've experienced a little of God in my life. So I ask you to pray for my family, to pray for this little boy. Um, can I be honest with you? Can I, can I share a little, a little bit more on this? At the beginning, is this being recorded or not? It is. I thought it would be. This sounds terrible, but... At the beginning, I was praying that his parents would fail and fail miserably. Deep down inside, I would hope that they fell into drugs again. I know I'm terrible, but I'm just being honest with you. Because I would guarantee that this little boy would be with us. And throughout the process, I realized that nobody needs to fail for God to be exalted. And that's another way God has changed my... I'm telling you, I'm, I'm a changed man. God has changed my heart in so many ways. He's used this little boy immensely. But Isaiah 54 has done such a deep work in me that I can honestly say that I've never been as vulnerable and sensitive to one portion of Scripture for this amount of time as I have been with Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 has done a work in me that I know will have a lasting effect on me and in our congregation. This year we have, that we know of, two Isaiah 54 babies in our church. Parents who could not conceive and felt that God spoke to them through those scriptures. One of them gave birth last month to a baby boy. And we found out recently that a couple that has been trying to conceive for years, for years, heard this word and the beginning of the year, they, that word was so real to them that they sold their car and bought a minivan without any children. They moved out and bought a larger apartment for the children that they don't have yet. We found out last month that they're pregnant, that they're expecting Go figure. I invite you, if you have some free time, 
to just browse the app at our church and hear some of the messages that, that God has been speaking to us regarding Isaiah 54. And there's a phrase in Isaiah 54 verse 5 that I believe puts many of the events of our lives into perspective. It brings an understanding maybe to allow us to see what God is up to. If you've ever asked yourself, what is God doing? I want to read this phrase to you. That phrase is found in verse 5 and it says, for your maker is your husband. The literal translation would read, the one who rules over you will do a work in you. The one who rules over you will acquire you for himself. The one who rules over you will act with effectiveness. The one who rules over you will prepare you. The one who rules over you will put things in order. The one who rules over you will deal with you. I hope you're aware here that God has acquired us through a spiritual transaction. Are you aware of that? That we have been bought by a price and that, that price was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the transaction, the spiritual transaction that has acquired you and me back to the Father. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that atoned for our sins. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that wiped away our debt. And it is the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us his. Now because we are his, the Bible says that he prepares a place for us. Are we aware of that? That he prepares a place for us. And this is what I want you to know, that as God prepares a place for you in eternity, he is preparing you for that place. He's preparing a place, but as he prepares a place, he's preparing you and I for that place. God will act with effectiveness over our lives. He has a purpose concerning us. And I want you to know this, this morning. Nothing that we go through, nothing that we go through simply happens. It's been planned by God for us. Did you catch that? Nothing that you go through simply happens. Everything that transpires in your life has been planned by God for you. I've realized that God will take things that are off in our lives and put it in order. That God will deal with us until he is satisfied. God will deal with you until he determines you've passed your test. God will deal with you until he is pleased with the outcome. Tito was speaking earlier this morning as he opened up about the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit's duty is to make you and I more like Jesus? The Father sent the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus. And one of the ways that the one who rules over you accomplishes this work is through his leading. I spent a good while sharing with you how God led me into where I am today, specifically with, with Danny and this whole fostering thing, 
And it was hard. It was unpleasant. And the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to lead us to our destination. And that ultimate destination is eternity. Our, problems, our problem is that we sometimes forget that this, this life is not our final destination. Our greatest error is to invest ourselves completely in this life. And I know that's, that sounds weird and almost wrong. But when you search scripture, there is no appeal, there is no call to live this life to its fullest. I don't care what Joel Osteen says. I said it. There's no invitation in the Bible to live this life as your best life. Instead, you find a call to die. To die daily. And to live this life for Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And if we're ever going to live this life by faith in Jesus, then we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. I hope you can picture in your mind the Lord speaking and saying, whoever is led by my Spirit, these are the sons of God. Kind of takes it a little further than saying a prayer and thinking everything's under control. Going to church and thinking we're all good. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These, as if he's pointing to them. The question is, would he be able to point at us and say, these are the sons of God? I surely hope so. I surely hope that you and I are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us on a daily, consistent basis. Because if you are, then you can say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God because of my faith in Jesus Christ and my willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me. Sons of God are those people who've received Christ, those people who've been born again, Sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit of God. If these things haven't happened, if these things aren't happening, then it's impossible to be a child of God. There are two ways the Holy Spirit leads you. One way is to take you by the hand and guide you and lead you. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit just... You feel the Holy Spirit showing you which way to go. Does that happen to anybody here? Two of you? Praise God. 
times where the Holy Spirit lets you know what choice you need to make. Have you ever said, I know what I need to do? That's a leading, that's the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Times where you yield to the Spirit's leading, where he shows you which way to go. Times when what God wants is clear. Times when the Holy Spirit will confirm with your spirit that this is what you should be doing. Times like that are like this. Look, can I borrow you for a second? In a very manly way. Could you hold your arm like that? Yes, there we go. That's the guiding of the Holy Spirit where he guides you, where he escorts you, showing you which way you need to go. Confirming with your spirit what you need to be doing. Have you ever felt that? That's the definition of being led by the Spirit of God. But do you know that there's another definition of the word being led? And that word is to be driven. Oppose me a little bit. Just stand strong there. And that's when the Holy Spirit is driving you to do something. And it's hard for you to take that step. Has that happened to anybody here? As a parent, I had a way to lead my children in this way. I had my son, and I'm not going to do it to you, plus your arms are big. It's not, you know, you're not, not a toddler's arm here. But I realized with my son that there's a little nerve under the armpit. You feel that right there? Yeah. And for little kids, if you just put your finger right under there and you just lift it up, it kind of just, it picks them up. And when I wanted to lead my son when he didn't want to go, I just kind of, yeah, nothing bad. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. If you do, it's all right. I don't care. But anyways, that little nerve right there, you just touch that. It kind of, it's, it kind of becomes very docile. And it's that type of leading when the Holy Spirit is driving you. Now, help me out a little bit, Luke. Take one or two steps. You still, still put some restriction there. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit is driving you to do something, and you really don't want to do it. Have you ever been there? And that's the, that's the leading that I want to speak to you about this morning. Thank you. Because that's also the way the Holy Spirit leads. Because there are times and experiences when you don't have much of a say at all. You ever felt that way in the Lord where you don't have much of a say at all? Times when you don't have a choice? Ever felt that way in the Lord? I don't have a choice. Raise your hand if you felt that way. Welcome to Christianity. Times when the Holy Spirit lays hold of you and before you know it, you find yourself in a situation or circumstance that you would not have chosen for yourself. But you know that God put you there. Do you know that Jesus himself experienced that type of leading? So if you're here today and you're thinking that that's a sign of rebellion, then you think you're more spiritual than Jesus Christ himself. Because Jesus experienced that for himself. And if Jesus experienced that type of leading, you better believe that you do too. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, if you would, please. I'm going to read a portion of scripture that I'm sure you've read many times before. But my prayer is that you would walk away today with a new understanding of it. A new appreciation of what's written here in scripture. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 it says. 
Then Jesus was what? Led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How many times have you read that? More than five times? Raise your hand. More than ten times? Right? A lot of times. Enough times, right? Now, we all know how it ends. We know Jesus overcame the temptation of the enemy. We know that. But what I want you to realize here is that Jesus was led by the Spirit, by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It was none other than the Holy Spirit that led Jesus to who? You can say it to who? To who? To the devil. The Holy Spirit delivered Jesus right into the hands of the devil. There will be times when the Holy Spirit leads you, drives you into the wilderness and through darkness. When this happens, there's always a purpose behind it. And it's to take you to a higher place. Can you say that today? Higher place? Jesus was gift wrapped and placed right before the devil himself by the Holy Spirit. Think about that next time you ask, why me? This isn't fair. I didn't ask for this. Jesus was driven by the Holy Spirit. The word implies forced. Forcible use. Verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil did what? Took him what? What did I have you repeat earlier? What type of place? A higher place. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Is the pinnacle the basement or the top? Took him to the top of the temple. Can you say higher place? And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse 7, then Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 8, again, the devil what? Can you say higher place? Then the devil took him up to an exceedingly what? High mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. Did you notice what took place every single time the devil took Jesus? 
What happened? Every single time the devil took Jesus, he took him higher and higher and higher. The devil will come to tempt you. But if you are led by the Spirit of God, the devil cannot take you anywhere the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to go. Can't take you anywhere. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to go. If you are being led or driven by the Holy Spirit, you have to trust that the Holy Spirit is driving you to a higher place. A higher place where your sustenance is found in God's word. A higher place. A place where your trust and your confidence in God deepens. And where it is solidified and rewarded. A higher place. A place where worship is not only your defense, but it is your greatest weapon. Can you put up verse 11 again? Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. I can imagine eternity after the Holy Spirit delivered Jesus to the devil. Can you imagine those angels that were appointed to go minister to Jesus? Waiting for the father to say, go, minister to my son. I can imagine those angels in heaven waiting, anticipating the command of the father to go and minister to Jesus in his moment of need. Did the angels know where they would be going? Maybe, maybe not, right? We don't know. But we do know this. The angels came to minister to Jesus where who left them? Where the devil left them. The angels were to go not at the beginning, not at the beginning where Jesus started the temptation, the angels would end up going exactly where the devil left them. They were appointed, they were ordained to go to that spot and minister to Jesus Christ. And the one who would leave Jesus there would not be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit left Jesus in the hands of the devil. The one that would leave Jesus exactly where he needed to be was who? You can say it, the devil. You see, when you're in a higher place, it's a place where even the devil will have to work in your favor. I'm not telling you to go pick a fight with Satan because he will wipe the floor with you. But I am here to tell you, if the Holy Spirit is leading you 
and it leads you into darkness and you're standing before Satan himself, the devil cannot do anything to you that God will not allow him to do. And the devil, when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, has to work in your favor. Jesus was taken to that final place by the devil himself. Not by the angels, not by the Holy Spirit, by the devil himself. The devil left Jesus right where the Father had appointed the angels to minister to him. I know this sounds a little freaky. But may I remind you who the devil was, who he still is. He's a what? Yeah, but a what? A fallen what? An angel. The devil was created to be a ministering spirit. Yes or no? Even in his fallen state, he has to fulfill the purpose for which he was created for. You catching me? The devil, even in his fallen state, has to fulfill the purpose for which he was created. His attempt to steal, kill, and destroy, it's only going to work in your favor. When you allow the, the leading of the Spirit to be your focus, ultimately, the devil has to work in your favor. Because he was created to be a ministering spirit. And even in his fallen state, he will fulfill the purpose for which he was created. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you are in Christ, can he steal, kill, and destroy you? He cannot. Therefore, when the tempter comes, if you're being led by the spirit, the only thing that's going to happen He's going to take you to a higher place and a higher place and a higher place. And when you're done with him, not when he's done with you, when you're done with him, he's going to leave you in a place where God has ordained his angels, the correct angels, the ones that are still worshiping him, to come and minister to you. The Bible says that he has disarmed every power and principality, that he has defeated the works of the enemy. We have an adversary and he's real. He is. But the leading of the Holy Spirit, when God leads you into darkness, the enemy cannot, will not have victory over your life. Ultimately, he is a ministering spirit. And even in his fallen state, he has to fulfill the purpose for which he was created for. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up this morning. When you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, your life will remind the devil what he was created for. The Bible speaks about the sufferings of this age, how they are working for you a far more exceedingly weight of glory. Wherever it is that the Spirit is leading you and guiding you, allow Him to. 
I know that for three years, it's been, it was four years ago, and for the last year I've yielded to that leading. But for three years, I delayed the work that God wanted to do in my wife's life and in my own heart. I thank God for his mercy, his patience, and my wife's patience with me. But I can't ignore the fact that for three years, I delayed what God wanted to do. I've learned so much this past year. So much through these scriptures. So much through these life experiences. And I pray to God that you've caught a glimpse of that today and seen the importance of God's spirit leading and guiding your life come what may. Because come what may, you and I, we're going to a what place? A higher place. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your leading. Could you, right there where you're at, could you thank God for his leading in your life? Can you thank the Holy Spirit for leading you? For guiding you, for taking you by the hand and showing you which way to go? Listen, if you're here today and you're being forced, being pushed by the Holy Spirit, I know what that's like. More importantly, Jesus knows what that's like. To say that we trust God is an amazing thing. But to allow our lives to prove it, that's a whole nother ballgame. That is so great. That's what things uh, will be written down in eternity. That's what eternal rewards are about. When we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and drive us and force us. So if you're here today and you're being pushed, just allow him to push you. Allow him to drive you. Maybe you, you are being driven into the wilderness, into the darkness. Maybe you feel you're being delivered to the devil himself. I wish I can stand here and tell you that that'll never happen, but it's not true. The good news is, is that the devil's been defeated. He was defeated that day that Jesus was delivered to him. But you and I may, may have experiences where we stand face to face with our enemy. But know this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and maybe he that stands right before you. So if the Holy Spirit leads you to him, you have to trust that you're going to a higher place. You have to trust that when he leaves you, he's going to leave you exactly where the father ordained him to leave you. Exactly where the father ordained the spirit and the angels to minister to you. Because if the purpose of God is going to be fulfilled even in the devil then you better believe that the purpose of God will be fulfilled in his sons and daughters. 
So Father, we thank you for your leading. Holy Spirit, we thank you for leading us. Holy Spirit, thank you for being patient with us. For not leaving. For not forsaking us. But for filling us with power from on high. To be the men and the women you've called us to be. Thank you for your leading. Right there where you are, could you thank him for his leading over your life? Could you thank him for the difficulties you're facing right now? Could you thank him for the circumstances that you are facing, that you didn't pray for, that you didn't expect, that you would love to be rid of? Could you thank him right now for those experiences? Because if you are a child of God, it is God who wants you there. And it is God who will see you through that. It is God who will allow you to go to a higher place. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your dealing in our lives. Because we would want no one else to deal with us the way you do, oh God. We love you, oh Lord, and we honor you. And together in Jesus' name, we say amen and amen and amen. God bless you all. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Say hello to somebody you do not know. Until next time, God bless you.